you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to today's episode. I am here once again with our favorite doctor, Sarah Miller, and I want to create a quiz that people can take because I've find that quite often people are like, I don't know what, I think my kid's strong-willed. What exactly does it mean? Or how do you know if your child is strong-willed? And so I thought we should come up with a quiz so that people can take this quiz. And I really wanted to, you know, I came up with a whole bunch of questions, but I really want you to weigh in on some of the things that you ask people when you're kind of, you know, when you're getting to know a patient and when you're sort of discerning whether there's something medical going on or if this is more of a behavioral thing. And so um, I just wanted this quiz to be officially sort of doctor collaborated and endorsed. Um, so I want you to weigh in on it. I'd and, love to. Yeah. Okay. Did you have a chance to think about some of the questions that you ask people to kind of, you know, when you're thinking, could this be a child on the spectrum? Is this a child that has some other diagnosis? Um, yeah, I would love for you to share with me what some of those questions are. I did. So when, some, when a parent comes in and has concerns about behavior or development, the first thing we always think about as a pediatrician is, is there a diagnosis that we need to intervene on? Early intervention is always better with any type of diagnosis. So um, immediately we will do, there's an autism um, um, screening called the MCHAT is one of the many, but a, a commonly one known is called the MCHAT. Um, and so, we'll, and all parents will recognize being asked that battery of questions by their doctor. And it really hones in on behaviors that would be, um, indicative of autism and it, not just autism spectrum disorder, but really, and it would, it, it's meant, it's validated to catch any, any degree, anywhere on the spectrum. But really when we're, when I'm doing that screening, I'm looking for a kid who has, where there's concerns where we really need a developmental um, intervention ASAP. And so the questions are things like, are there concerns that the child won't make eye contact with you or that concerns that the child does, um, repetitive um, motions or repetitive behaviors, lining up cars, lining up, playing with toys in ways that are um, not their intended use, holding them close to their face and looking at them in, in different angles, um, concerns that your child might be deaf. Do they 
seem to not hear you or do they not respond to their name? Like real, like what we call red flags. So we're always trying to look for a red flag. So we do that. Most kids who are strong-willed pass that with flying colors. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And there's all, maybe there's some that when I describe it, it might sound like to some parents, like, oh, my strong-willed kid does that. But really, um, most of the time, these behaviors, that they pass this test. And the strong-willed quiz that you've come up with really, um, I think, is great because it, I saw elements of this question, these questions in there, but um, in in a way that really is more slanted on the strong-willed behavioral side and not a medical, not, not a medical um, mm-hmm. neurologic condition because there's, there's a mm-hmm. gray zone in there. And so I really like how your questionnaire just kind of naturally honed in on that. Um, then go, the other questionnaires that we'll do are ADHD questionnaires. Um, and there's a parent and a teacher version and we send parents home to complete that and for the teachers to complete that. And that has a lot to do with... Um, of course, inattentiveness, hyperactivity, but also seeing if there are um, behavioral disruptions in two domains. I mean, and to have ADHD, you have to have disruption in two domains, at home and at school or at home and at an extracurricular. And another thing I loved about your questionnaire was that I mean, one of the questions was, do they only display these at home? And that's mm. really classic strong-willed. You know, they, they save it up for mom and or in their safe place and that's when after school collapse or other mm-hmm. ways that these behaviors come out are in the ADHD that it, it's just not the case it's it's very different and they and it often comes out or it always does for to be diagnosed has to come out in all domains of their life whatever adults they're around um, so we start with those screening mechanisms first and in a traditional office, when they pass those, then you're like, you're a okay. Just keep doing what you're doing. This is a phase and it'll pass, you know, or this is normal mm-hmm. behavior. And so this is, um, the next set of questionnaires, the business questionnaire that you've developed, I think is really huge for another, um, continued engagement with the parents and, um, validation that they're, there is something going on here, even if mm-hmm. there's nothing to be caught on these traditionally validated screenings. And so then mm-hmm. um, what I'll do in the office, I will a lot of times just listen to <laughs> what is going on um, around all sleep, mealtimes, um, after school, um, big developmental things like potty training, um, tra- transitions like that, and hear about the experience that the parent is having. Um, and, mm-hmm. and then I go from there. Mm-hmm. So you know that like, like let's say that somebody said, um, yeah, my child, they've never been a good sleeper. Um, you know, they just don't like to sleep that much. They don't need that much sleep. You know, if frankly, at night when we're with friends, they're like, oh, we need to leave. And it's like seven o'clock. And I'm like, my kid just doesn't need that much sleep. They'll be up till like 10 and they're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the parent really thinks that the, that the behavior, because we know we, you know, when people come into the program throughout 
our basics boot camp program. So that 12 week foundational program where we attack basic needs first, right? So we really are helping people get their kids, you know, on a on a really good sleep regimen. And and so about three weeks in, we give them, you know, the the third week of every sort of section of that program, we have them do um, an evaluation where they really kind of look at where they were before the program and where they were now and sort of connect dots. Did you think that this strong-willed behavior was attached in any way to um, not enough sleep? And so many of them will say no. They didn't. And then what they are seeing is, is now that we've got them going to bed so much earlier and getting more rest, so many of these strong-willed behaviors are working themselves out. Um, not to say that, I mean, look, when you get your kid on a sleep regimen or you stop acting like a short order cook and the, you get the picky eating under control and you're doing more of this proactive connecting, which those are all the basic needs that we attack in that first section, um, quite often the child, um, a lot of it works out because the parent is employing boundaries and 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 for most of us we boundaries can be kind of elusive we're not even really sure what it means you know like <laughs> and so when we teach boundaries it's really just no this is your sleep routine and you have a plan in place so that after this time at night you're going to be returned to your bed and returned to your bed and returned to your bed and there is no more talking like we're not open for a negotiation so one more glass of water and one more this and one more and all that begging we just we have a plan in place which is just a boundary plan mm -hmm. and so we really handhold and walk people through it and and so i think quite often like people don't realize that a lot of behavior that comes across as strong-willed, especially once we've ruled out autism spectrum and ADHD. But even ADHD, I think, is kind of confusing because, you know, a sleep-deprived kid is going to show up with ADHD symptoms. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I have ADHD symptoms when I'm a little sleep-deprived, for sure. I have a hard time focusing, and then I can hyper-fixate on something that is interesting. You know, like, mm -hmm. I, I'm classic ADHD when I'm sleep-deprived. So do you think that when somebody comes into your office and they, what do you say when they're like, well, we have some behavioral, you know, we've got these things going on, but you know, no, our sleep is fine. They get enough sleep. It's all good. But yet, you know, I, ha but we have some pretty explosive tantrums mm -hmm. and you've also ruled out that they're not on the spectrum and it doesn't seem like ADHD at this point in time. How do you handle that? Like, what do you say to the parent? It's really hard and it's very delicate um, because it's a you have to have a meaningful, you have to have a relationship built with that parent so they trust um, your opinions and your questions. Um, but I, I will oftentimes ask about what they've tried, and it's usually multiple things, helping to lead them down a path of either that they have tried things but maybe stopped at a certain point when it got too hard or when the kid was pushing back um, a lot and maybe didn't follow through on whatever sleep training or boundaries. And so I try to 
understand. And as they talk through it, you let them see, oh, I've tried these things, but I stop at a certain point. Why did you stop? What made it hard to, 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 to try to set sleep boundaries or to set rules around mealtimes? What do they keep doing? And that helps then lead the discussion down into the strong-willed um, path, you know. Well, one, one sometimes it can help lead down a path towards really there is not enough sleep or really there is not great nutrition. Um, so we can help start having a conversation around how important those things are. But it also helps lead down the path of is your kid strong-willed? Have you tried all these things and nothing works. And then I often will throw out the term, would you consider your child strong-willed? If that has, isn't something that they've heard of before and many times, they'll say, yes, yes, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the word. I think it's a great buzzword and it, it, a meaningful word. It mean, it, a lot of parents relate to that. Um, the other thing, almost for some families, it can be almost a reverse discussion. A little bit. Sometimes um, it's that they come to me when their kid is two or three, typically, um, and often that's when a second a sibling has arrived, new baby on the scene, and they're coming to me about the older child and how difficult they are, trouble with transition, trouble with potty training, eating often becomes more difficult around age two, two and a half normally anyway. Um, so it's a time a lot of transition for kids, and as I talk to the parent, I. I find out that, you know, those first two years, they were able to really control that kid's life 100%. They could control, and maybe they had a great sleeping regimen. Maybe they really developed great sleep hygiene for their kid, had a great schedule, um, were able to, you know, attune to every need of that highly sensitive, strong-willed kid. And then age two rolls around and they, their, they, their personality blossoms a little more. They learn how, they're, that they have some say in the world and or siblings on the scene and suddenly every need can't be met the moment that it needs to be met and they can't stay on that exact strict schedule and the parent realizes oh, <laughs> I'm a, this this child's actually things have suddenly gotten really difficult seemingly out of nowhere but when we really honed down on it it was that They've been highly sensitive from the very beginning. The the third thing I often, I try to talk to parents about from the moment the baby's born um, through toddlerhood is recognizing patterns. Like they've been pretty much who they are since they were little. And you don't recognize those patterns until they get older. And especially as you have a second or third kid and then you are, you're really able to see these patterns, but they, they've been who they are since. Well, it's, you know, what it makes me think about is I met with these lactation specialists recently and they were talking to me about doing a collaboration. They, um, like some in-person baby groups. And they were saying that, um, it's, you know, there's so many moms who are, I guess in the, like that young moms, like in the millennial kind of age. And, um, they, don't know how to play with their kids. They don't know how to play. They're not kids yet. They don't know how to play with their babies. And, and it's really a sign of the times. It's because, you know, there's so much interaction with the phone and social media um, that we've 
sort of lost some of those human skills. And so she was, she, the lactation specialists were saying, you know, so we, we, they come in and we want to start doing these baby groups. And we were just kind of like talking, brainstorming about doing these baby groups. And, and I, and they were, they were saying like, what kind of workshop could you teach? And I said, you know what a cool workshop I think would be with moms and new babies is the temperament to teach mm -hmm. them how she, and, and the lactation specialist said, you know, it's amazing. I can sometimes just be around a baby and I can know exactly what the, who this baby will be at two or three or beyond. And I said, that's because you're, you're seeing their temperament and, and, you know, there's these four different temperaments that we like to look at babies and find out, you know, where do your kids fall? Are they criers, sires, flyers, or triers? And then I explained to them what the temperaments and how, how cool would it be to have like a group of young moms coming in and we help them to identify what the temperament of the baby is. And I said, you know, the super cool thing about this is that we're just teaching self-awareness. So when you're studying your child or studying your baby, like, is my child strong-willed? I think the reason why this is kind of a buzz term and why it's palatable is that you know your child is challenging. You know, if you're wondering if your child is strong-willed, you know they're challenging. You know there's times that you're looking at all the other kids thinking, why can't you just be easy like that one, right? Why are all the other babies in the baby class like smiling at their mom and clapping and you're just like making a beeline for the freaking door? <laughs> why when we go to the birthday party are all the other kids participating and you just want to stay here next to my leg and I can't even have a conversation with the other moms, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and so... So you know if your child's challenging, and yet I think there's this arguing with reality where you're just hoping, like when you go to the pediatrician and they're like, yeah, it's probably just a phase. And you're like, okay, phew, it's just a phase. But you know it's not just a phase. This is There's something to figure out here. And so when we when we help a mom with a young baby look at what's my child's, what's my baby's temperament, and then we're like, oh, this is a flyer, which means this is probably a baby that's going to grow into a child with a strong will. It sort of doesn't feel like we're, it's not like we're talking badly about our children. We're not saying like, my child is just a difficult person. My child is strong-willed. Well, there's a lot of things that when we think of somebody with a strong will, it feels like there's a lot of aspects of that that feel admirable. Like, oh, my child has a strong will. They're not going to be a doormat. They're not going to be pushed around. They're not going to fall into all of this people pleasing that I have fallen into that wears me down. They're never going to be that martyr person. They're never going to be that girl that the boy, you know, goes a little too far and she just allows it. She's going to beat the shit out of them, you know? Like, so there's so many parts I think about this strong will that we're like, okay. I can work with this. Mm -hmm. um, and yet I think there's something to understand because to work with it means that you, you can't, you know, the hyper controlling of being there to meet their every need the second that they need something is sort of 
conditioning this person with a strong will to become a future narcissist, Mm -hmm. right? Like if every single one of your needs are met the minute you're demanding they're met, because you have a super attentive parent, well, that's not really setting them up for success. They're not going to be very likable. So how do we work with this strong will in a way where we understand it and we also show up for the child that's strong-willed, knowing how to put those boundaries in place, which ultimately helps them. It doesn't kill their strong will, but it does help them develop better skills to control their impulses to help themselves get more regulated when they're feeling dysregulated. Like there's a very specific way that we can work with this strong will where we don't kill it, but we we sort of harness it and we um, help it to turn into a strength rather than a weakness. I totally agree. And it helps, I think, identifying these early on with temperaments and talking about it from infancy helps the parent realize that they're not, the goal is not to change or fix their child because there's something wrong. This is who they are. It's always been who they are. So it's about helping them become the best version of themselves and working with the strengths and not being triggered by what that's bringing up in you. That's right. And that's what I was saying to the lactation specialist because I was saying, you know, how cool would it be if you could, you know, look at the baby that is going to be the crier or the flyer, right? So the flyer, when if you fast forwarded to 18 months to two years old and that flyer is trying to do one of those little wooden puzzles Mm -hmm. and when the when they can't make the little piece fit into the hole, the flyer is gonna chunk it at someone or <laughs> or go across the room and smack their baby sibling. And the crier is gonna start having, you know, a hysterical meltdown because they're just so frustrated. So when the child that has these different temperaments that quite often are triggering for us, right? Nobody wants to have their kid go and smack someone else or chunk toys across the room (laughs) or sit there and cry hysterically because they can't fit the puzzle piece in. So it's super triggering for us. But if we understand, oh, this is how my child deals with frustration. Well, now all of a sudden, we also understand how I need to be close When they're working through, you know, when I see them, when I see the signs of frustration, I need to be close to go over and say, take a deep breath (sighs) here, here with mommy real quick. Let's calm, let's calm you down so that you can, so that you're working so hard on this. Let's see. Oh, try it this way. Okay. Let's take a little break. Can you sniff in the flowers here, here, blow out my birthday candle here. You know, so we know with that flyer, we kind of have to be close by when we start to see they're getting frustrated. And then we can, we can spend our time on the front end, helping them to develop these self-regulation skills, which is pretty cool Mm -hmm. to start doing with an 18 month old, because we know what to look for, because we've been aware of this temperament since they were, you know, a six month old baby. And so we're arming parents with really valuable information and, and oh from the, 
from the time you were a baby, you, you were headstrong. You had no quit in you. And when you wanted to do something and you couldn't figure it out, you got mad. And so now you've learned how to harness that, all of that, you know, fire in you. And that's why you're running for student council in sixth grade, because you are going to get the rules changed. Like you've had this fire in you from the time you were little. See, so that's a whole different conversation that you're having with this strong-willed child where you're not trying to squash it, you're you're turning it into their superpower. And there is a way to 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 parent that child that they just are a self-aware person from the beginning and you become more self-aware because you're supporting them in this way. Yeah, absolutely. I love the positive spin on it. Um it's exactly what I try to do as I as I discuss the these behaviors with the parents um, as well. Okay, so let's go through these questions real quickly yeah. and kind of um, let's see what are, where are we? Twenty four. Okay, so you let's go through these questions and and I also am curious, like how many of these questions do you think need to be a yes for the person? to know that their child is strong-willed. So I want you to kind of think about that. Okay. My child has never been easy, even as a baby. Yes or no? What do you think about that question? Yeah. So I love that one because it's going back to identifying these behaviors from, and these tendencies, temperaments, all of that from infancy, from the time they were a baby. And I would say, always your parents can go back and identify and see those patterns since. And the reason I used the word easy, which I could see, you know, other professionals being like, well, let's identify, you know, if you were like going to a specialized psychologist, like, I don't know what would identify easy. And I really just wanted it to be in regular language because you know, in your gut, you know, if you're like, it's like the scene from Willy Wonka when it's like, it's like, looks like you got a bad egg. Like nobody's (laughs) going to say I got a bad egg. But when you're looking around the birthday party or you're looking around the baby class, or you know that you have this, everybody else's baby seems to be sleeping through the night already. And you're like, okay, why won't mine? (laughs) Um, You know, if the older relatives are like, ah, so surprising. You were such an easy baby. You know, this one is like the the relatives in their face and their face. And, you know, it's just like moments until this baby just completely melts down and freaks out. Yes. And it's like, why are they at, get out of his face? You know, it's a great so, term. It brings uh, yeah. you right back to those feelings. Even with my 10 year old, I can think of feeling that way in group and family settings, feeling so judged and isolated and insecure because my baby, he, he did not want to be passed around. He, he did not want to be held by others. And and just you, this question takes you right back to that feeling. Why can't my baby yeah. be easy okay. and lovable? Okay. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that it's like there's also something about when you are a new mom and you have a baby that isn't considered easy by other people, It, it it's almost like it feels like you're getting judged because it's something you're doing. It's not this child and their temperament and the fact that they're highly sensitive and they were born, you know, as a deeply feeling human. 
it's like other people look at the at the baby that or the child that whines a lot cries easily and it has something to do with you and your parenting and it's just super loaded Randy Rubenstein, and this is the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where I share tips on how to solve any parenting problem. If you're in an absolute parenting shitstorm right now, I gotcha. Do this now. Go to our website at mastermindparenting.com and click on the live assessment button where you can schedule a live call to discuss your issue. My team is going to point you in the right direction, match you up with the best resource because we've been where you are and know that you want the tools that work ASAP. Don't worry, we got you. You can also go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash live dash assessment. That's live dash assessment. Get on our calendar right away. You will hook up with a live person to begin helping you immediately. Yeah, okay. Second question. My child is unwilling to ever take no for an answer. What do you think about that? Love that one. I think most parents, including myself, can identify with that. Everything's a negotiation. Everything is one more. You feel like you can't say yes, or you're gonna, they're just gonna badger you forever. Give them an inch and they'll take a mile. That comes across in so many domains um, of their life. I think that's a great one. Which it's normal for kids to not love the word no. They want what they want when they want it. And they haven't been taught like the rest of us to not allow themselves to want what they want when they want it. So little kids are going to be like, you know, can I have a cookie before dinner? And when the answer is no, you're going to have a kid a lot of times that's upset about it. But the strong-willed one, it's like, they will not accept no. Mm-hmm. They're not going to give up. They're going to badger and badger. They're going to go into that pantry. They're going to say, I'm taking the cookie. They're going to, they just, it's, and so I think so often this type of behavior is when parents are like, my child is so defiant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate that mm-hmm. word. My OGD. child is so defiant. Yeah, they, they, may, they may have ODD. They're so defiant. And it's like, no, no child wants you to say that they can't have the cookie when they're when they want the cookie. It's the strong-willed one just ups the ante and yeah. and and sort of goes off the rails about it. Okay. Number 3. My child is air quotes good for others but difficult at home. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great one because it really differentiates those kids because a lot of times I think strong-willed kids and I hear this from patients all the time. They're doing great at school. I know some kids are also struggling at school, but m- much of the time they are described by teachers and daycare and preschool teachers as great, wonderful, perfect mm-hmm. contributions to the classroom. And then the mom feels like she's going crazy. What am I doing wrong? I think that one's spot on. Yeah, that's how. That's exactly how it was for me. Mm-hmm. There'd be like it, it was like every parent teacher conference in preschool when I was really worried about it was like it was basically like he's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're like you guys are great parents. Pat yourselves on the back. Go have a nice life. <laughs> and I was thinking, but it's so stressful. Mm-hmm. It's so stressful when he's home. Mm-hmm. And it was so confusing for me because I couldn't understand why he held it all together for everyone else 
And then it was like he let it all hang out and then some with us. It was super confusing for me. Yeah. Um, Okay, number four. I worry that my child lacks empathy for others. Mm -hmm. I hear this a lot. Love this one too. Parents, that's one of the main concerns parents will bring. Um, You know, I'm afraid that my child isn't going to, in other words, like isn't going to be able to make friends, is is not is going to be a sociopath. I mean, if you're really like going back into your deepest fears, this is the fear that comes up when they're um, looking at their child's behaviors and afraid that they're not going to be empathetic, have friends, be socially accepted, be happy because they can't, they're not relating to others. Right. Because a lot of the times I think parenting or parents are using old school tactics. So when their child has an oops moment, as we call it in the mastermind, uh, you have a kid, they're dysregulated, they get into an argument with their sibling or another child, and you see them do something where they hurt the other child or they hurt the other child's feelings. They just do something that, that could be classified as mean or harmful. And so then when you pull the child aside and you say, how would you feel if someone did that to you? (laughs) And the child says, I don't care. Mm -hmm. They deserved it. What? I don't care. She's just trying to get me in trouble. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Like, like they can't, they, it is an impossibility in this moment to see the other person's perspective. And so then the parent starts to go down that rabbit hole of exactly what you just said. I think my kid doesn't have empathy. They don't care about other people. They absolutely cannot see anyone's perspective but their own. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I'm worried that my kid might just be mean. Right. And, um, right. And it's because they're in, you know, they're in such a dysregulated state and clearly something just happened and they had an oops moment. You know, we, and, and as adults, it's just so interesting because, you know, most people, what's going on behind closed doors, behind the curtains, even the parents who seem like the greatest parents ever, a lot of times they're having dysregulated moments and screaming, shaming, uh, getting physical, they're not publicizing that, mm-hmm. right? And so they have dysregulated moments too and do things that they don't feel proud of. Uh, and if somebody were to say, hey, I had a hidden camera in your house. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all those posts you put out on on Facebook and Instagram, like where it sort of seems like you're like the greatest mom ever. Like I saw you screaming at your kid mm-hmm. and smack them or pinch them or grab them really hard. Like I saw all that. Like, what was that all about? Mm-hmm. How would you feel if somebody did that to you? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Like, but then we're doing that to our kids. Like we're like shining a spotlight on their absolute worst moments, which for those of you who are like, but we can't let them get away with it. It's like, well, of course not, because we're going to work with their temperament, but there's a way to help them learn the skills to do better when they're in those dysregulated moments Mm -hmm. and, 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 and berating them for it is the same thing as if somebody berated you for your less than awesome moments. Yeah. Um, Okay. I feel like I have to walk on eggshells to keep my child from losing it over little things. You never know what will set them off. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Yeah. I think it's like very universal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, it's just that, it's like that walking on eggshells. You just never know what's going to set them off. Mm -hmm. And so you, um, it's kind of like you just sense that they're in this hypervigilant state. Like their nervous system is, I love Brene Brown's explanation for it, where she says like, it's like a white person who's in the weeds and, you know, maybe they're in the weeds and they just need a little support. But at any point, you know, it's like their nervous system is always in the weeds. But she says, like, if you were waiting tables and you were your nervous system was blown, like that goes beyond being in the weeds. That's like where you have to just like take a break and everybody's gonna just take your take your tables over. Mm-hmm. And so when you've got a strong-willed kid who is operating from a place of their nervous system just constantly being in the weeds, it's like you walk on eggshells because you know they're just like millimeters away from mm-hmm. going into that blown state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. The next one, if I'm being really honest, I describe my child as difficult to enjoy. Mm, I like this one. It takes, it would take a parent being really honest. And I think a lot of parents would, um, be ashamed to admit it. Um, I would hope we can create a safe enough place of no judgments that they could, because I think it's a great question. I, um, would have answered yes to this. Um, and I, I think that it, it's helpful to just say some of these things, these real feelings yeah. and fears, um, and validate them. I think it's, I think that number six goes along with number five. It's kind of an extension of that mm-hmm. this feeling of constant dread. Um, and what I like about joining a questionnaire like this too is these traditional medical validated ones, you have to ask exactly what it says word for word, and then they have to answer yes, no, or some of these other ones have like four different options. You have to be super specific. I love this, what we're doing, because it is a conversation. Um, but you can give examples of things like, um, you know, do you dread the up? when there's going to be a break from school or a school pickup, can you feel that feeling in, the, in your body of like, oh, you're okay. Revving myself up for the drive, the carpool drive home is going to be, you know, painful. Right. Everything's going to be a problem. I just, it's yeah. just a matter of time until the problem, yes. you know, I remember like, uh, um, Mickling Duclef, the author of hunt gather parent. I remember her describing like, she was dreading her child waking up in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was like when she was laying in bed moments before Rosie came in and when Rosie was three, she was, it was like she had a pit in her stomach. Yeah. Even the thought of seeing her kid for the first, like these strong-willed kids, when you're, you know, things have, things haven't changed yet and you haven't been, you know, received the information of what to do differently to help support them in feeling better because when they feel better, then they'll do better. Mm -hmm. Um, you sort of dread. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, and, and, and I love, uh, the way Dr. Dan Siegel explained, he says, you got to name it to tame it. And it's exactly like, I'm hoping that somebody's going to take this quiz and there's, and, and, and it's, it's like a self-evaluated quiz, you know? So no one's looking over your shoulder. No one's judging you. Let's just get really honest because when we say things 
out loud, you know, shame only survives where there's secrecy. And so when we say it out loud, even just to ourselves, it's like, okay, I said it. This is true. So now I'm, now at least I have my eyes wide open and the awareness to figure out what I'm going to do about it, but I have to actually see it and acknowledge it yes. to be able to do something. I love the idea yeah. of just giving a parent this and saying, you know, take this home and, and, and do it in your own time. And then, um, come talk to me about it if you want to, but just take this, think about it. You, you know, that, never been asked okay. this before. that would be so cool to like, to have you as, you know, just to, for you to kind of beta test this as a pediatrician to give this out to parents and say, here's, um, if you've ever wondered if your child is strong-willed, here's a quiz that you can take. Mm -hmm. And if you care to share, you know, your answers or ask for resources, if you, if it, you know, it, that I would, you know, I'll be, I would be happy to support you, but what mm -hmm. a cool tool for a pediatrician to be able to use. Um, Okay, my child's often mean to their siblings and or other kids. Mm -hmm. we, we already kind of talked about that, but I think that's helpful because I think, you know, that's a concern. Mm -hmm. um, my kid is extremely negative and could be described as a contrarian. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Love that one. Yeah. It seems I, that was the... That was very triggering for me, and I've heard this now from lots of mm -hmm. other parents over the years as, like, like we're doing things so good. We're doing things so mm -hmm. much better than it was done for me when I was growing up. Why are they so unhappy? Why are they so negative? Why can't you mm -hmm. just put a smile on your face? We just got ice cream, and you just mm -hmm. want more, and you just, yeah. nothing's ever enough. Nothing's Why are you so negative? Enough. I remember yeah. one mealtime with my oldest son. Um, he wanted chocolate milk. There was some kind of discussion about chocolate milk and he couldn't have the chocolate milk or he couldn't have more. And my husband said something like, oh, I grew up on chocolate milk. Um, you know, gosh, I drink it all the time. And, and, and my oldest said, you grew down on chocolate milk. <laughs> 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 you grew down on chocolate milk. Do you think it stunted his growth? <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on chocolate milk. You grew down on chocolate milk, Dad. I mean, they'll take any that they are, and they are contrary, and that's their, you know. They look. It's yeah. It's really hard when you're when you're on the verge of feeling blown in your nervous system. It can be real hard to be mm -hmm. positive about things. I think we can all relate to this as adults, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, it's sort of like if you're feeling terrible about yourself and let's say you gain 20 pounds and you know you haven't been exercising and everything, you know, things are just going off the rails and you're fighting with your spouse all the time and uh, work's not going well and you just kind of feel like crap inside. And then all of a sudden, Susie Sunshine comes over and she's like, ah, isn't life just beautiful? What a crisp, beautiful day. And you're like, you know, get out. <laughs> I I can't be around that right now. It, it's hard. It can be really hard, I think, to see the bright side of things when you're not feeling so shiny inside. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. 
Um, okay, number nine. I worry that my kid doesn't in, in doesn't experience joy often. Mm-hmm. This was something for me. This was all I wanted to do was just in all my kids. All I wanted to do was be a fly on the wall of childhood joy because I think because I didn't I don't think I recall having much of it as a child, and so I think and I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't have enough self-awareness to sort of connect the dots. But I think a promise, a secret promise that I had made to myself is like, my kids are going to have the best childhood. Like they are going to experience so much joy. And when I just wanted to, I just wanted to catch glimpses of momentary joy. And, um, and I remember it was like, I had a hard time finding those moments with my strong-willed one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to it used to cause me to feel anxious, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, that end of the night, you're sitting in bed and trying to relive your day and convince yourself that your, your kid is happy and everything went okay. I, rem- I, I remember that, um, that inventory, that end-of-the-day inventory mm-hmm. that your moms are... At least I was always running on myself too, because. Well, right. Because remember early on when you worked with me, I used to do that parenting report card. Do you remember that Mm -hmm. exercise Mm -hmm. where I would try to counteract that and retrain your brain to do the opposite of that? So you're going to lay in your bed tonight where you're normally going through all the moments that weren't great and 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 searching for moments that maybe weren't so bad and you're beating yourself up over all those moments that weren't great and what i want you to do is i want you to lay in bed and come up with one thing that you feel really proud of from that day mm-hmm. and um because yeah that laying in bed and having knowing your body's so exhausted but having those ruminating thoughts mm-hmm. Right. And you're yeah. so worried. You're worried about your kid. You haven't seen any joy. You'd, you're like, where was the joy today? Mm-hmm. Like they're only a little kid once. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling that sense of panic. Like, like, oh my gosh, he's already seven. Like yeah. his subconscious has been programmed. If he didn't mm-hmm. experience enough joy, then he's going to be screwed for life. Right. Like, right. and so that panic can set in. Um, okay. So this last one, I'm worried that my kid will not be able to get along with others in the future. Mm-hmm. Yes. This future tripping, I think is mm-hmm. a lot of the concern parents bring into. That's what their, their real concern is. What does this mean for the future? What does this behavior mean for the future? Yeah. I just want them to be successful. Mm-hmm. I just want, you know, whenever I hear things like that, I know this is somebody who's future tripping and worried about the future mm-hmm. because what's happening right now in the present doesn't doesn't feel very reassuring. Yeah. And so there's something to figure out. The time is yesterday mm-hmm. to start figuring out is my child strong-willed? Could it be something um, an actual medical diagnosis that I need to to find the right support team to help me help my child. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're if they're displaying these behaviors, um, 
what can I do at home mm-hmm. to and start supporting there's them? There's actual answers to that question, which is mm-hmm. huge. I love that this is also applicable to any age. I mean, I could have answered this when my son was two and now, and I think mm-hmm. it would come out the same. Um, kind of like mm-hmm. how we were talking about how these, these behaviors are persist over time uh, or it's part of their temperament. I mean, I think parents with kids of any ages could take this quiz and feel seen and heard and then and validated in their experiences. Well, and, you know, what we're doing here, which you and I have talked about a million times, is quite often you do get a diagnosis, whether it's a correct one or not. And then where our society falls short is the, okay, I got the diagnosis. And now what next? Mm -hmm. What do I do now? What do I do with this thing? And so I feel like it's, you take a quiz like this and you're getting some real, you know, answers. And then, you know, you, we help you with what to do next, Mm -hmm. right? Like we help you with what to do next. I also think you asked earlier, you know, what percentage of yeses do you think would indicate your kid is strong-willed? And I've been thinking about this as we talked and, you know, I think, I think it's a, great set of 10 questions. And I think it only takes a couple. Mm -hmm. I think that even if a parent just answered yes to a couple of them, that's enough to get some parenting help. And if a behavior that a kid has, typical behavior, you know, fighting with their siblings or, or having trouble in school, um, Yet they're not a strong-willed kid. Oftentimes, it's not the. It is. It may not be. The as concerning to the parent, you know, they, they're able to. If the, they're they're a, the parent and the child are able to work through it, or they're feeling like they're managing it. If they're answering yes to, my child is good for others, but difficult at home, can't take a no for an answer. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a deeper level of concern than just a surface behavior that, mm-hmm. that is, that the parent is dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it taps into that, those, mm-hmm. um, those tendencies that are, that have, you know, they're concerning the parents on a deeper level, frustrating the family and the parents and the child. You that gut feeling, that feeling that it's just not this. Isn't, mm-hmm. This isn't right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know, my little Willy Wonka analogy of this isn't an easy baby. Uh oh, it's a bad egg. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I say that tongue in cheek because. The point is, is you you didn't get a bad egg. You just got a child that needs you to learn some new, learn some new parenting tools and to think about things. You know, that's what we do. We we help. We don't just tell people what to do. You know, we help parents master your mm-hmm. mind so you know what to do because you're mm-hmm. thinking about it differently. We coach you on how to think differently. And so like the parent who's thinking, you know, it's kind of like the spin that I put about, oh, of course you're running 
for student council in sixth grade and you're going to go against administration because you're, you know, you're, you feel so strongly about this. You've been like this, this since you were a baby, mm-hmm. right? Like we saw this fire in you from the time you were a baby. That example is learning how to think differently about your child and harnessing their strong will into their superpower rather than accidentally allowing their strong will to, you know, have them living in the land of dysregulation for their entire childhood. Yes. And then when they get to adulthood, they're a complete narcissist. Yes, that's exactly it. It's like, it's like we have the potential to harness this and to help have, you know, to, this is a future leader. This mm-hmm. is a, a person, a deeply feeling person who has a lot of leadership energy. They won't take no for an answer about that cookie. It doesn't mean we're not going to have a lot of structure around when the cookies can be had, mm-hmm. but we're not going to kill their spirit when we put down that boundary around no cookies before dinner. Mm-hmm. So there's, 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 you know, it's like we have to rise to the occasion and up our communication game and learn some new things. I mean, what I really want to do is I'm like that I want, you know, being the kind of person who listens to parenting podcasts and, 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 and learns new communication tools and is raising your kids in a way that feels a lot better. And frankly, I mean, I have so many of our parents, so many of our moms, once they start to get into the program, they all sort of go through this period of being a little bit pissed that they weren't parented this way, Mm -hmm. you know, as they start to feel proud and they pause for applause for themselves. And then they're like, yeah. And all of a sudden I'm kind of feeling pissed at my parents because like I should have been parented this Mm -hmm. way. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, so that's normal. Just know that's totally normal. And yes, every human Every human would be better off to be parented this way. But I want it to be a badge of honor, which is like, oh, you don't do any learning. You you haven't taken a course or you haven't, you don't listen to parenting podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like I want it to be something that people are proud of. Like mm-hmm. it's like if you're a person that's in shape, of course you go to the gym and sometimes you work out with a personal yes. trainer and like you hire coaches mm-hmm. when you're a healthy person who has self-worth. When you want to get better at something and you really care about something, you hire a coach and it's something to be proud of rather than ashamed of. I totally agree. I would love for that to be normalized. And it, a pediatrician's office is a great place for that to start. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As always, love talking to you. Hope this, um, I think this is going to be a helpful episode. We're looking forward to listening to hearing from you listeners. So make sure to subscribe, leave reviews. Um, I don't know what it helps with, but I know it helps with something. It just helps more people, um, find out about us and be able to listen. And until next month, that was our pediatrician's perspective with Dr. Sarah Miller. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, 
then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, and as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, and, you know, periodically I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching. And I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better because when they feel better, they do better. And um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.